This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, as Dave hits the live button as I'm talking gibberish to myself. We're going to have a little bit of a spicy show today as I release my first 53-man roster projection. Here's the thing. I, I used a specific approach in order to kind of come to these conclusions. We're going to talk about why I used that approach and why I think it makes sense for the Minnesota Vikings and how they're continuing to shape this roster. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of the good the bad and the hungry on the voices of wrestling podcast network as well as a founding member of vikings first and skull welcome 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 ladies and gentlemen to the real forno show i am your host tyler fornis with me as always back up in his home the top right corner it is producer dave dave how are you today i'm doing great but your signal just went to shit again Pardon my French, but it looks that way. It's been a long day. I was telling the guys, everybody that's in the chats already, Anthony, Davey, Norsefesius, Justin, Harms, everybody that's here already, we've already started the show, already started to get ready to talk about the Vikings final 53 as you are going to predict it and how you're going to predict it that way. Because it's mm-hmm. a, there's a little bit of logic behind it. I don't think it's right, oh, but there's a little bit of logic yeah, behind it. You know what, Dave? All right, we're going to go there. You're being sassy, and I don't like it. <laughs> and I, I just want to point out to Anthony, this is the hat that matters. All right, you see this? The F? Florida. Florida, not Florida State, not not Free Shoes University, Florida. All right. Now I'm gonna put it back because I I look dumb with forward facing hats and they don't they don't fit me very well. So let's talk about this. So there are a number of different ways that they can kind of look at how to f- do the final fifty three. 
I approached it from this perspective and something that we saw last year, Quesido Fomenza has no issue going with his guys and saying bye to those from the previous regime. He cut three third-round picks and a fourth-round pick from the 2021 NFL draft. He had no problem with it, and he did it just like that. So the way I see it, Dave, is he's going to try and prioritize his guys again. And that doesn't necessarily mean drafted guys. He can also mean undrafted free agents. The guys that got cut, and I, I ended up keeping five UDFAs, which is a lot. And I think it's a it feels a little absurd, but let me go through my, lo- my logic here, okay? <laughs> the guys that got cut in favor of those UDFAs are average at best. They don't provide you any real upside. They're depth guys on the roster. They're not going to play a ton. So why not save a little bit of cap space when you really need to try and pinch every dollar you can and keep the guys that Quasi has brought in that he believes can make a difference on this team? Now, is does that make complete sense? We'll go through it. We will go through every position group here today and why I ended up making the decisions that I did and why I think this could end up being a w- way that the Vikings end up building this roster. Now, I don't expect my me to get all 53 right. I expect to have a few wrong, and I could be completely overlooking some aspects because I'm not in the room. And this is a projection. This is trying to understand the mindset of the Vikings front office and trying to go from there. So, And, and Dave, things can come up. We get in the preseason and somebody can get hurt and that instantly opens the spot and somebody could, you know, make the team that way. You, you never know. I, your logic behind this and why I know about it is that Tyler wrote about it yesterday. And where do we get our news? Vikings Wire. And you can see on there what he wrote. But we're going over it tonight because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I don't. The logic is sound, but I don't agree that's the way they're going to go about it. Okay, so let's let's kind of go through it, all right? We're going to start with quarterback. We're going to work our, all the way down to the specialists. Quarterback, I have three making the team, and it's Kirk Cousins, Nick Mullins, and Jaron Hall. One, of, If this team only keeps two quarterbacks, one of two things has happened. Jaron Hall balls out in camp, and the Vikings end up moving Nick Mullins to a team who needs a backup quarterback. In a similar way to how the Vikings acquired Nick Mullins last year, where they just weren't comfortable with their backup. And with Jaron Hall being an older prospect and already having experience in this offense, it's not out of the question that he balls out and you feel comfortable rolling with him as the backup. Especially because Kirk Cousins has missed one game in five years, and that was due to COVID-19. You can kind of wipe the slate or whatever because it's a pandemic. That's fine. So... If you roll with a rookie who you think has some developmental potential, all right, let's do it. And then the other avenue is if Jaron Hall absolutely stinks and pulls a Kellen Mond and you don't feel comfortable with him on your roster and you decide to try and send him to the practice squad and hope that, hey, everybody else is seeing that he has bad tape. So we're going to put him to the practice squad and kind of go from there. Those are the only two ways that I see this team only carrying two quarterbacks. I don't disagree. No, you've got it sound there. Jaron Hall's got a ball out to earn a number two position. I doubt that happens, so he just keep mm-hmm. all three. I don't think he would make it past, you know, 
to be cut and then make it out of the practice squad. I do not think that would happen. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, 98% of all outcomes are going to have Jaron Hall as the number three quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. It makes sense to me. He's the project. He is the mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connell project. And so he's going to be yes. given a, a leash to develop him. And that's that's the way that's going to go. And we're not going to see him gotten rid of unless he does something stupid off the field or he's absolutely horrible, which we all doubt is the case. But we expect Kevin O'Connell to at least make him eventually competent, right? He may be average, like you said, but at least competent, and we'll go from there. But I suspect there'll be three quarterbacks on the team when we hit that one and only final cutdown. Yeah, exactly. So let's move on to running back. I am keeping four, and this is where kind of the spiciness comes into play. Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride, CJ Ham. You'll notice there's no Dalvin Cook. I, I believe he's gone by mid June at the latest. You can also notice there's no Kenny and Wong Wu. That's intentional. And it, it feels kind of odd. But one thing that this defense with the addition of Brian Flores is preaches versatility. One thing that I believe is going to become a team theme versatility. If you don't provide any value to us on offense or defense, then you are not valuable to us. And with with a kick returner like Kenny Wangwu, awesome. Second team all pro. Three kick return touchdowns in two years. It's also if it's having him as a running back, he has shown to provide zero value. And so the far. way I believe they're constructing this running back room, they're gonna want a third running back with real running back value. I think that's not Wangwu. And they're not going to use a full roster spot on a guy who's only going to give them one utility. So as weird as it seems, they've also been bringing in multiple kick returners. Brandon Powell has success as a kick and punt returner, even returned one against the Vikings in 2021. And they also brought in Malik Knowles, who was a dynamite kick returner at the college level for Kansas State. I I have a hard time seeing Kene Wangwu making the roster if he has zero utility outside of being a kick returner. Now, it's different in year two. They knew he would be a project when they drafted him, and the new regime's like, okay, like, hey, you can be our third-slash-fourth guy. Well, now, he still hasn't shown anything, and you're going into his third year. If he's not going to give you anything in year three, how much value does he have? He's not Devin Hester as a returner. He's very good, but he's not great. So, where... Are they really going to keep him? I have my doubts. And it has nothing to do with his, how good his returnability is. He doesn't provide you any value elsewhere. And as we progress through this, we've already put three quarterbacks in the quarterback room. That's usually one more than most teams mm-hmm. take. Yeah. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be everybody had three. But then they went down to two, and that freed up a roster spot. Running back room at just four is about average, I would think, for most teams. Keeping four some some years, we've kept five. It depends if you keep the fullback. Right. And on here, you have the fullback being kept. I don't disagree with that. I think they love C.J. Ham. They're going to keep C.J. Ham. 
he's a special teams ace and he provides value on offense as a receiver, as a blocker. Like this is a very versatile player who is a captain for your football team. And that's why he gets to keep a roster spot. That's why they gave him that contract extension. Like CJ Ham is a, is a vital part of the team. But let's move on to wide receivers. I have six. And this is on par with where they kept last year. Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison, Jalen Naylor, Brandon Powell, and Malik Knowles. You'll notice Jalen Rager's not on there. I, I think no that they're going to with that. The only reason why I think Rager makes the team is because it's a $2.4 million cap it, no matter what they do, unless they trade him. If they cut him, it's the same cap it. If they keep him, it's the same cap it because it's a fully guaranteed rookie contract. Now, if they are able to trade him, Godspeed, hell yeah, that sounds great. But he doesn't provide you anything on offense. And he showed that last year. He almost blew the Colts game twice. Mm-hmm. And like you can't trust him to run a, the correct route. You, you can't trust him on offense. And if he turns a corner this year, hell yeah, that's great. I'm not expecting it. And I think that because he offers you no offensive utility, where you can sense a theme. Versatility. What can you give me? on offense and defense, along with that special team's prowess. I don't see anything from Rager. So, Well, and I don't call Rager especially competent at punt returns. I want my punt, return average, punt returner averaging at least nine yards per game. He did not. He fell short of that mark. Mm-hmm. Find another one that will. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh, my dog just farted. Ooh, buddy. It's a bad one. The reason gas, why gas, um, gas. Powell and Knowles get on here. Powell is a veteran. He's going to provide you special teams versatility. Plus, you can use him as a gadget guy. You can use him as a slot. You can trust him to do some offensive things. Knowles, I think, would have been drafted if he was able to test. And I know Thor Nystrom talked about it on our show on Purple Daily on Draft for Score North. He didn't test PCL cleanup. He's fine, but he didn't test. And he probably would have ran mid four fours. He has potential as a wide receiver, as kind of like your that burner. Maybe a little bit more if you're able to develop some of the nuance with him. But because of that special teams utility and offensive potential, both of those guys get roster spots. To me, you you're continuing to see that theme, versatility. And these are Quasi and O'Connell guys. Like they gave Rager a shot. I thought it was a really smartly worked trade. It did not work. And you're going to take gambles like that. It's fine. It stinks that it didn't work. But you have to, you're have you going to have to cut bait at some point and move on. And hopefully we can get rid of that contract. Don't disagree. No, mm-hmm. you did good on that one. Tight end. I have them keeping four. And I'll kind of break down why I could easily be talked into getting rid of one and adding a cornerback because I only kept five, spoiler alert. But because of the focus on 12 personnel, I think that they may end up keeping four, especially because of who they keep after TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver. And that's Ben Ellison and Nick Muse. Muse, obviously, they drafted around seven last year. Always used to be a project. Very athletic. Loves cats. And I think that's very important. He loves cats. But... 
he's got some potential. And Ellison is your standard third tight end, blocker, blocker, blocker. So you have your blocker. Oliver became a blocker after coming into the league as a receiver. I'm very intrigued by what he's going to be as the Vikings number two tight end. Probably only had to catch 20 or 30 passes, but what he does with those could be pretty damn good. And Johnny Munt, Johnny Munt's bad. And it's a 100,000 dead cap hit to cut him. I, I don't you know s- if I call it bad. He's <clears throat> Johnny Munt's Johnny Munt. He's adequate. Now, is Ben Ellison better than Johnny Munt? I think they're right, right about the same level. But I think Ellison's a much better blocker, and that's why you're keeping him. Plus, and uh, younger, when it comes and down, cheaper. So, and that's why you're talking about Nick Muse over Johnny Munt. Like, you could argue Johnny Munt's better, but is he substantially better enough? Because like Nick Muse is entering year two, has a higher ceiling, and is also a hundred sixty thousand dollars cheaper. I think that's why they keep Nick Muse over Johnny Munt. Again, I think they'll continuing try to get with Muse that team, onto the practice squad again, and they'll go with three tight ends that that very well could be and i i could easily be convinced otherwise with that specific one um but i i think that they they're going to try and keep muse on the active roster that's that's just kind of kind of where i'm at right now but we'll see offensive line i have 10 mm-hmm. you have your starters christian derisaw ezra cleveland garrett bradbury ed ingram brian o'neill your backups chris reed blake brandle Oli Udo, Fedarian Lowe, Alan Ali, the UDFA center from TCU. I don't see a discernible difference between Austin Schlotman coming off a broken leg and Alan Ali. I believe Ali has a has more potential and he has guard flexibility having played it at SMU before he transferred over to TCU when Sonny Dykes left for the Horned Frogs. That's kind of where I'm at with that one. Then you also have like Brandel and Udo are, are kind of your swing tackles. Chris Reed has center versatility as well. But Darian Lowe also is kind of a tackle. Udo can play guard. So can Chris Reed. Alan Ali can play guard. So you have a lot of versatility on the back end. I think Schlopman is a center. I don't think he's a guard. And that's why. Patrick chimes in. Chris Reed ain't making the team. I'm going to push back a little on that. They redid his contract they guaranteed him like eight hundred thousand dollars to lower his total maximum value he's making the team Mm -hmm. now should he make the team i i think like he was an adequate center like he struggled a little bit early snapping the ball but it's not his natural position and i think i honestly think if ed ingram didn't have a really great preseason last year he's our starting right guard in 2022 but Chris Reed also got injured during the preseason. That kind of muddied the whole thing. But I I like Chris Reed. I don't think he's great. It says something when like fans of a team and analysts are like, man, stinks that we lost this guy. And he's a, like a rotational player in the offensive line. Like I think he's a good, solid hand. I mean, maybe you don't want him as your starter, but you're not asking him to be. You're asking him to be a depth guy, and I think he can do that. Now... If we needed a position on this, I would pretty much be assured that Alan Ali would make it to the practice squad. I don't think he's going to get scalped by some other team. You never know. You're probably right, but I think that he, he can make it. And 
I'm not sold that Schlotman is going to make this team. And like I said, positional versatility means more on the offensive line than arguably any other position. Right, especially when you're scoring, if you use PFF scores and you're roughly in the 50s, you're not even at the 60 as an average. You want to be able to do that at multiple positions. Mm -hmm. That makes you more valuable than doing it at just one. Bingo. Bingo, bingo, bingo. All right, this is where things get interesting. Defensive line, this is not edge rushers. This is your defensive ends, defensive tackles. I have six. Dean Lowry, Harrison Phillips, Kyrus Tonga, Asezi Odomewo, Jaqueline Roy, Calvin Avery. James Lynch does not make this team. Neither does Jonathan Bullard. I, I, I think this is continuing the trend where you have younger guys who are cheaper, who are not going to be a drop-off from what you are letting go. Bullard is a stalwart veteran. If he if he makes this team, he's starting. Like he's a good, solid hand. But is he worth keeping over Odomaywell? Is he worth keeping over a true nose, which this team does not have in Calvin Avery? Of all the UDFAs, I am very confident Calvin Avery makes this team if he has a good preseason in camp. Because he is a true two gapping nose tackle, and that defense needs it. Like, nose tackles are criminally undervalued as a general construct. So having a UDFA nose tackle make the team isn't necessarily what you'd call a, like, a surprise. Nose tackles are just undervalued as a whole. James Lynch, average. He is mainly a motor guy. I don't think, I think he fits best in this defense and not the 4-3. But at the end of the day, I just don't see him being a guy that they would prioritize keeping. And I think that it's, they may, may end up moving on because I don't think he has any real upside. Otomewo, I think, does have upside. He's like a 93rd percentile athlete for a defensive lineman. And I think that they believe he can be a really good football player. Stampede says isn't really a nose tackle. I don't think he's a nose tackle in this defense. I think maybe you line him up as a zero tech or a one tech on passing downs and ask him to rush the passer using that brute force power he has. But I don't want him two-gapping in the run game. I, he's 307 pounds. Like, he's not that kind of player to me. And I know we've I've had this discussion with people who I, who I think are really smart. They think he's a nose tackle. I don't in this defense. I think he you might be able to have him as a one-technique and a 4-3 where he's just one-gapping. I don't think it's a two-gapper. So I think he he's in, a really interior guy on passing downs and a four-eye or five technique on rushdowns. The Dalvin Tomlinson comparison from Lance Zerline kind of shares some, shares some credence to that, and I, I agree with it. But that's with defensive line, that's, that's how I currently see it. Well, optimum setup, you got that run stuffer in the middle, at least for the mm-hmm. first two downs, and you want to – Interior defensive lineman, usually around the three technique, but then we're talking four or three there, but somewhere in that area on the line that can push the pocket because the quickest way to the quarterback is in the middle, believe it or not. It's not from the edges, which we'll get to next. And if you can find somebody that's disruptive in the middle on that line, you strike gold. Did the Vikings draft that individual? 
I have no idea. Jaqueline Roy, could he be that individual? Possibly with some development. That's, I think, where the Vikings view him versus being, you know, a squatty body sitting over the center. I don't see him in that spot. I see Phillips and Tonga playing the those that position all season. Unless one of those two gets hurt, I don't see the other any of the other guys moving in. Could they? Yes, they could. But yeah, defensive line is the hardest one to predict of all these, Dave, because there's like the best defensive lineman we have is Dean Lowry mm-hmm. and Harrison Phillips. But Harrison Phillips is not a a three four nose tackle. He's, they're probably going to move him towards the outside. And I, you could go a million different ways with these this defensive line, and none of them would be crazy. Like, you could have Kenny Willekes making the team, and I, I wouldn't bat an eye. Because Willekes is shown to be a good player, and he had a really good camp last year. Like, this is a very weird unit to project, and I'm very intrigued to see how it turns out. Well, I'm curious to see how. Brian Flores sets them up and utilizes them because I think mm-hmm. that's going to be key to improving this defense quite a bit this season is how he manages the interior of that defensive line. Mm-hmm. That It's going to be very interesting to see how that all shapes up. This is where it gets spicy, Dave, and this is where I think you're going to have your biggest disagreements, and that's fine. Four edge rushers kept. Last year kept five. This year, because of how they're constructing the rest of the roster, it ends up being four because edge rusher is not as important as it is in this defense as it was in that Donatels. Daniel Hunter, Marcus Davenport, Patrick Jones the second, and Andre Carter the second. No DJ Wanham, no Luigi Villain. And Wanham, I don't think he's a fit in this defense. I don't think he's very good. And you're giving that guy a, a salary cap hit of over $2.9 million. If you cut him, it's like a $2.78 million cap savings. I, I don't I, think he's going to be worth that. And the drop-off, like if you put Patrick Jones in that spot, no drop-off at all. Like I just I don't think Wadham's that good. And he's not a fit with what this defense is. And combine that with, A, I can save like – I mean, after you factor in Andre Carter's salary, that your savings is two million bucks. I think they take advantage of that. They may. This is yes, you are correct. This is where I disagree. I think Wanham has improved. It hasn't been great leaps and bounds, but he's improved every season he's played. I think he is probably your number three edge rusher behind the two starters. And I think they will keep him there because of that. Now, does he make it to his next contract? I doubt that. But I think they will keep him there for that. If they want to save the $2 million, yes, they could get rid of him. My other issue on this one is I'm not so sure they're going to keep Andre Carter. I know they paid him $300,000 guaranteed to be a UDFA. I know he has the height, but he doesn't have the build, and he's got to rebuild it now. Will they risk keeping him on the roster just so they don't have the possibility of losing him, you know, on his way to a practice squad? Possibly. But to me, when you draft a guy and you know it's going to take at least a year for him to to develop, 
just to get into NFL body shape for the position. That That's a flag for me. They're going to have to see an awful lot this summer and preseason for me to change my mind on that because I don't – I frankly think people taken in that position where they're undrafted free agents, yes, there are the rare few that make it, but for the most part, they don't. And at least with one of them, you know you're getting average play. You're not getting great play, but you're getting average play. If somebody gets hurt on that defensive line, you don't want to, or on the edge, edges, you don't want to have to go from above average with Davenport, elite with Daniil Hunter, down to anything below average. If one of those two get hurt, and we know Daniil's gotten hurt before, and Davenport's gotten hurt before. You don't want to go anything below average. If you suddenly have to go to Carter, who's not ready, we're going to get destroyed on that side of the ball, and he'll probably get ruined. So that's why I think they're not going to keep Carter on the active, at least not as the number four guy. They may do it as number five, but not as number four. That's my logic on that. Well, your logic is wrong, Dave. It's hey, wrong. We'll see what they put on the pads to start hitting. I think you could very easily keep five here. I just, I couldn't end up finding a way to keep five. And we'll, and as we keep talking about the rest of these positions, you'll. I already opened one why. for you. Tight end. Yeah, but I would honestly, I I'd rather keep a cornerback with this defense than an extra edge rusher, but. We'll we'll see. This is this is where think like well next time when you do this, rather than saving money logic, think of building for the future. Which are the key pieces they want to keep for not this year, but for next year and the year following? Look at guys well, that I are did that up on on the Dave. I did that now. too. Okay. Like all all these guys that I cut, like Wanham's on the last year of his deal. James Lynch is on the last year of his deal. Like it. There's there's a rhyme or reason to why like Jalen Rager last year of his deal Dalvin Cook bye I mean we we already know he's going but it's it's not it's a cost cutting move but you're doing it because they're on the last year of their contracts you're not going to bring them back and they're average at best and I would rather take a guy who is maybe a little less of a player now but could be more than that in a couple of years because you're preparing for the future. So it, that's already being talked about with this scenario. But let's continue on. We've got a couple more position groups to go. Inside linebacker, this one I, I found relatively easy, but it's also very difficult. The top two are easy. Brian Osamoa and Jordan Hicks. Then I had Troy Reader and Ivan Pace Jr. Ivan Pace Jr., there's a reason why he picked us. This dude's going to be a specialist maven for Brian Flores, and he's going to be a special teams ace. When you watch him on during preseason, he's going to look like Kentrell Brothers, wearing that number 40, small, undersized linebacker who is just a really good gap shooter and great on special teams. Reader, I I don't think Dye's any good. He's good on special teams, but he's not a linebacker. Reader is a, a, at best, average linebacker, and I think he's a good number three in this room, whereas I don't think Dye is that guy. 
And you're replacing the special teams value that Troy Dye brings you with Ivan Pace Jr. So that's kind of how I end up constructing the room. But it's for as easy as it is, it wasn't very easy. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need to improve the quality of linebackers over the next few years. Beyond Brian Esmol. Yeah. And hope yes, Brian Esmol is a hit. Yeah. All right. I, I agree this with one. this. And then I think we keep pace because I think he's going to be a, even as an yeah. uh, undrafted rookie, I think he's going to be a special team stud. Like a little bug. <laughs> yeah. Justin. So, cor- pace, gang. Cornerback. This one, I only kept five, and I could easily be talked into keeping a sixth. Byron Murphy Jr., Andrew Booth Jr., a Caleb Evans, Joe Juan Williams, Kai Blackman. I did not include Jay Ward in this group. I included him in safety. So if you're kind of thinking that, no, I, I think he's going to be classified as a safety. He's already been classified as a safety by the Vikings. Safeties can play nickel. So I think that's really important. Maybe Tay Gowan gets a shot here as that sixth guy. But I think that these five, unless they make another move, are going to be the ones to make the team. You could make an argument for Najee Thompson. If you go on VikingsWire.com, Kevin Fielder did a tremendous piece on Najee and his absolute obsession and love for special teams. But based on the motif of how this was constructed, he provides you no other utility other than special teams. So I did not put him on the final 53. I think he's a practice squad guy who gets elevated for special teams a couple times, then maybe ends up being on the roster with an injury. But that's the cornerback room. I could be convinced to take a six, and that would probably be Tay Gowan. But I ended up keeping that fourth tight end, which is why we have one less defender. I would not keep six. Not of the I wouldn't keep Gallon out of that group. I would move one of our safeties down and take another safety. From so you I'm would doing. you would add a fifth safety rather than adding a sixth corner. With the idea that safety's playing nickel. Mm-hmm. All right. Cameron Bynum. Let's let's move on to safety because the specialists, it's the three already on the roster. Greg Joseph, Ryan Wright, Andrew DePaula. So we don't need to spend a lot of time. This is where things get really spicy because this is a shockingly deep room. Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, Lewis Seen, and Jay Ward are your four safeties. Josh Metellus does not make the team here. And I think this is where your argument was going, Dave, mm-hmm. keeping that extra defensive back, but not keeping an extra cornerback. Mm-hmm. Metellus is great on special teams. He's shown to be an average safety, which is really good for your number three guy. But he's also in the last year of his deal, and he's likely not going to be resigned. So he ends up kind of getting that same that same treatment as James Lynch, as Troy Dye, where he's on the last year of his deal. And we're just, hey, you know what? We're just going to end up moving on because we just don't have the spot for him on the roster. Whether that's right or wrong, that can be debated especially because of how good he is on special teams, multiple kick blocks and all that stuff. But that's kind of how I ended up shaping this. I could easily be talked into with the, like, just like with the cornerback taking a tight end out, but I think they're going to want to keep multiple tight ends because of that 12 personnel, but we'll see. There's, there's a lot of elements to this and. Yeah. And and it's it's a difficult exercise. Because mm-hmm. we see all these guys. We drafted all these guys. We took all these wonderful, heralded, undrafted free agents. We signed two Minnesota guys yesterday, right? And today, 
Jordan Anderson signed his contract, so the whole draft class is under contract. Every Everybody's happy, kumbaya, look at these guys, they're going to develop, they're going to be good, when in reality, as much as we want that, as the hope blooms in our chests for the 2023 season and we're going to win the Super Bowl and all of that, not all of that works out in reality. There will be people that do not make the team. There will be people that falter that you thought was should not falter. There'll be people that get injured, etc. And it's harder to make the team the further down the list we go. Out of all the draft picks, I see one starter, immediate starter, that's it, period. All the rest are going to have to earn time. Now, are they going to play special teams? Oh, they better. They better. But it, it's... It's tough, and it's and where we may disagree on some of the older guys, you know, if I wanted to keep Metellus and he's in his last year, or I wanted to keep, who else was it that was in Wanham, and he's in his last year. There's where we get into what, are we staying competitive? What's the best for competitive, and what's the best for rebuild? Because can we defer part of the rebuild out while staying competitive, or are we sacrificing some of competitiveness for the rebuild and hope that nothing goes wrong? And that's where I see it could be slightly different than what you have here. Your logic's fine. Hey, save a few bucks, which helps. We all know we need to do extensions on TJ and JJ and Daniil Hunter. Those are going to come up. Do they have to do JJ's this year? No. It'd be smart to do JJ's this year. It'd probably be cheaper than waiting a year. But do they have to? No. But they need TJ and Hunter done. And then we know next year, Derisaw is going to need one. Those are big chunk money. So it's... They're walking a tightrope. It it always has been. That's the way this team works. That's why we're always around 500. And Vegas has has us at eight and a half wins, which I think is ridiculous, but okay. Yeah. Take the over. um, Yeah, I think eight eight and a half is a good number because I could easily see eight. It's probably not going to be seven or six, but eight is very plausible with the schedule. Nine is likely, but that's that's why Vegas is in the business they're in. They're very good at kind of – they're good at pinpointing that middle ground and making it a difficult bet. But, Dave, that's our show. Um, this is going to be interesting to track. I'm going to kind of continue to work through and get through all the all the information from mini camps from OTAs and then use that to continue updating what those projections are going to be. And I think that's going to be important. It's The more information we have, the easier it's going to be. So one thing that I find interesting here as far as we – continued contextualize is I'm hoping to end up with credentials here soon. And then I'll be able to be on the pra- on at practices, being able on the to watch sideline, being getting sunburned. Yep. Being able to talk to players, being able to talk to coaches and all that stuff. So once that ends up happening, we'll be in a much better spot to kind of relay some of this information. But this is, it's a very interesting dichotomy with this team right now and kind of how everything's going to shape up. But, we're, there's talent on this team. We'll see who ends up rising above the rest. 
Well, I want to give my hats off to you for a very good logical way of going about this. And we'll find out. That's that's what's fun. That's what's part of being a fan and playing armchair GM slash coach talent evaluator. And we can't wait to see the actual tape of these guys and then in the preseason games how they do. Then we'll start screaming for them. I got to keep this guy. We'll find out. It's been yeah. fun. Have you it, got anything coming up in the near future? Yeah, more scouting reports are coming, and it's summer scouting. So I just posted one for Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers this afternoon. And this is – it's meant to be a snapshot of where they're at and a general draft projection as of right now. So when you see them, it's – hey, it's not full scouting reports. It's, hey, here's some details about what this guy is right now. And then we can compare them to when we do full scouting reports at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Ewers has all the talent in the world. He is one of the is tied for first in the best, being one of the highest ranked recruits ever by 24-7 sports, the recruiting like, national outlet. So that is a, a big deal. He was nicknamed Mullet Mahomes with how he was able to throw the football <laughs> on the run. A lot of different arm angles. He also hurt his shoulder really bad in week two against Alabama, and he was destroying that Alabama defense early on. But then after that, he struggled once he came back from the injury. So how much of that had to do with the shoulder? Because Baker Mayfield struggled really bad after he tore his labrum and is not throwing yeah. shoulder in 2021. We're going to find out. Plus, because believe the it or not, is, when you do this, it's linked all the way to the other side. The kid also went to college a full year early, Dave. So he started as a sophomore at 18 years old. So like this kid's uber talented and very young. So it, it's very it's going to be really fun to watch his growth and development. But yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of that stuff. And then every Monday afternoon, Purple Daily on Draft on the Purple Daily podcast and YouTube feed with myself and Thor Nystrom. And I'll have more stuff coming throughout the summer. AEW Dynamite's on in 12 minutes, and I host an AEW podcast, so that'll be fun as well. Cool. Well, if you heard this morning, we had another Vikings Daily opener go out. I even reported on you starting your summer scouting and building up the database because we'll need it for next year, right? And you put it in the back of your mind. A lot of people don't get into scouting until – the 2023 season's over, but you'll be ready and you'll have more stuff than just about anybody else and especially anybody else in our Viking sphere. So I applaud you for that. Great work. Keep it up. And then for the rest of the week, we'll have Vikings daily opener every morning. And then of course, two old bloggers on Sunday where Darren will get to chime in on whatever, you know, turns his crank this week, and I'm sure there'll be something. Appreciate everybody joining us today. It's a great show for all you guys coming on. Love it. Missed Miss Mary tonight. I don't know where she is. Hopefully she's doing well. With that, what do we say, buddy? Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you 
so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.